Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Chapter 11 on Acts is where we're at right now. And um, in 1 Timothy 4.13, Timothy was exhorted to give heed to the reading of the word. And I don't know how it will be for you because a lot, lot of us don't necessarily have all these supernatural experiences that we'll be reading about here. So I don't know if it's going to be like bah humbug or if you're going to get excited and realize that not everybody that talks about spiritual experiences is some flake or weirdo. Um, so I, I'm uh, very interested to see how this is going to uh, play out in our hearts. Um, so anyway, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 we'll start with. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in, jo jo in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the believers criticized him, the Jewish ones did. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. See, for them, it was unheard of. And so it was like, for us, we're just reading no big deal here but for them it was like are you kidding me you did this so it goes on to say in verses uh, 4 and 5 then Peter told them exactly what had happened I was in the town of Joppa he said and while I was praying I went into a trance and I saw a vision I went into a trance and saw a vision I have heard of that um, in our organization. The person that um, founded this organization um, heard the Holy Spirit a lot and did things uh, based on those actions. I don't know if she went into a trance or not. I don't remember. I don't know if you would remember, uh, Miss Sandy, but um, he said, <clears throat> he said, I went into a trance and I saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles, yuck, and birds. And I heard, heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, I replied, <laughs> that's Peter. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Verse 9. But the voice from heaven spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheep and all it contained was pulled back up into heaven. Can you imagine seeing that once? You might have thought, oh, it was just a bad day. Maybe I got some <laughs> bad wine or something. And, and then the second time, well, maybe it was the pizza that I ate with that bad <laughs> wine. But after the third time, they, they must have been convinced because they didn't even act like it was a big surprise. So then it went on in verses 11, just then three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. 
So it is not uncommon, and you don't have to be a flake just because you actually hear the Holy Spirit say something in the now and, and present day to obey that. I would encourage you to do that. I have, I have heard things a lot, but I don't usually say them. Um, I'll just do them because people look at you really weird. They act like that the Holy Spirit and the, it, the miracles and stuff was just for that day. But that's, that's not what I believe, anyway. I don't know what you, what you all um, have come to um, your thoughts about. Verses 13 and 14. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you and everyone in your household can be saved. Woohoo. <laughs> As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. <laughs> then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. So once he explained to them how it happened and how the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles while they were uh, listening to him, they stopped objecting and then they began praising. And they came into agreement with him. It makes me think about, um, many people have lots of opinions about what the next revival will look like. And I don't know, you know, exactly how that will look, but I wonder. If one time here in the scriptures that this happened, we might put in a different word. It might not be Gentiles, but it might be something else. That, that if the Holy Spirit falls on a group of people, that, see, the Jewish people didn't think the Gentiles could be saved. All right? So here we are as Christians, and can we believe that somebody will be saved? Put, fill in the blank, you know, whatever that is. I'm sure you could put in your your uh, your subject matter right there and say, well, I think that blanks can't be saved, you know, kind of thing. But it just made me really stop and consider and ponder that when the Lord is moving and when the Lord is uh, speaking, that we should want to obey Him, like I previously said, but then also to understand that when, you know, uncle, when it's time to let go and say, okay, the Holy Spirit was done that way um, through them, so we, we're gonna go along and go with this. Verse 19, meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus 
and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. So we can see that the word of God is spreading. The, gospel, the good news, the gospel is spreading. Verse 21. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Don't you wonder, what was he, what was he viewing that he saw as evidence and then he was filled with joy because the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. So he, he understood the workings of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25 and 26. Then Bar Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now, I never realized that, that there was a controversy about being called Christians at Antioch. I thought it was always, always a good term. You know, they just you know, they were little Christ followers or whatever. But um, as I was studying this chapter, it was saying that actually it was more of a disparaging term, like those little Christ, you know, kind of thing. And um, so I thought that was interesting that when kind of like it is for many people now in today's world, to be called a Christian is a disparaging term, very much a disparaging term. Verse 27, during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So they're not all flakes. There are prophets who can predict and... <laughs> um, and their predictions come true. Verse 29 and 30. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. I just wanted to briefly highlight Barnabas because he comes across as such a great individual, he was also known as uh, the son of encouragement or the son of consolation. And here's some things that I saw about Barnabas that I thought was worth mentioning. One, he had nothing to prove. He didn't have to play games. He didn't have to be in the limelight. When he mentored Paul, he was letting that emerging apostle rise above him. Paul didn't feel the need to project his self-worth or to prove himself to anyone. That's good. That's kind of rare in this day and age that people are not trying to promote themselves. 
Fortunately, I know a lot of people who do not promote themselves, but the Lord does promote them. Number two, Barnabas had nothing to lose. He didn't have to guard his reputation or fear that he would lose popularity because of number one, he had nothing to prove. He came to serve, not to be served. So this enabled him to focus on giving, not on getting. As a servant, he had no rights to lose. Number three, he had nothing to hide. He didn't, he didn't try to keep some kind of fake image um, or anything like that. He could rejoice with others' victories as we see uh, when I had mentioned that when he came and he saw the grace of God that was on them, that he was filled with joy. He was filled with genuine joy, uh, Acts 11, 23 there, and never wondered about his own fame. I have a question for myself and for you. If you were the one that was Barnabas, and you knew that the leader that you were going to, that you were going to be bringing up was going to far surpass you, would you be willing to sow your best and your most to that person? Something worth considering. So, uh, Linda or Steve, do you have anything uh, that, more that you wanted to add or anything? Linda? Linda? Well, I was, I'm sorry. Um, I was just reading my notes, which I took on the page. <laughs> and what struck out to me, or stuck out to me, was uh, uh, when Peter was, uh, you know, God had showed him the, the, the sheet with the animals. And he says, now I know without a doubt. And I thought, well, we all kind of doubt, right? But my question was, what does it take for God to do to you, to show you, to manifest to you, for you to not doubt, you know, and and to remove all doubt from you. I think that's that's something that God is constantly working on in me is to not doubt, to not question, just plain and simple. Be my daughter, be my girl, you know, and, and obey. And so that's that you know, really got to me. But as for Barnabas, who wouldn't want to be like Barnabas? I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was a man of God, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and he shared it. He didn't keep it to himself, and he didn't want to be uh, on the top. He was willing to be uh, a second, and just to advance the Word of God and to advance others, as you say. He, he was not so proud that he, he couldn't take second place that he allowed other people to stand on him and be advanced. Amen. I love that. Thank you, friends. Anyone else have anything they wanted to share or add to it? Well, I got a couple, one short one. Uh, what chapter were we in there? Chapter 2 at verse 7. 11, I'm sorry. Uh, 11, verse 7. Uh, 
it's uh, where it said, Arise, kill, and eat. I knew a fellow tw 20 years ago in Riedel, had a real nice pickup, and he took uh, uh, that verse, and I don't know if he did it, but he had it written out, scripted, on the tailgate of his pickup. Rise, kill, and eat. Act 11, 7. They drove all over Southern High, and he, oh, the reaction, God doesn't do that, kill, what are you doing? And he'd say, look, it's scripture. <laughs> and uh, he had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but this particular section, to me, is one of the most radical sections of scripture, because up to that point, everything that was done stayed under the Mosaic law. That's why the church up to that point could go into the temple and into the courts and teach. And they could refer back to their scripture in the law and base it on that, which is what we do when the Lord gives us a vision or a dream or a word. As well, Steve's in Thessalonians, there's one scripture there that says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is true. Because a lot of times the dream I had last night of God speaking to me was basically the pizza I ate. <laughs> uh, and we must prove it. This particular scripture, there is no evidence. This completely breaks from the, the uh, Jewish church. It's a radical, radical. All Paul had, uh, excuse me, Peter had to rely on was that vision that appeared several times and the direction. There was no basis to prove. It, it was, as far as I can tell, the at this point, the only exception in Acts and in the entire New Testament that Scripture did not support him at that point. Very, very radical thing. Thank you. That is true. It was radical. But we're looking on this side of the, the cross, and they were just recently just past the cross, so they didn't have really any history to that. So, uh, Steve? Well, just on your list for Barnabas on nothing to lose, he was, he was a Levite. So when he fully embraced the Gentiles and was actually the guy who advocated for Paul, um, he gave up that role. He gave up the priesthood. Uh, he's also one of the guys who took his property and sold it, or, you know, or took a piece of property of his and sold it and just gave it away to the apostles to give to the people. And he didn't even count it as loss. <laughs> he, caught, caught, uh, he considered it a gain for the gospel of Christ. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.